Welcome to season two of Living Fullness, a podcast where two friends explore what it means to live out the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And my name is Father Sean Burns. And every week we look more closely at deepening friendships, intentional relationships, growth in virtue, and nurturing our spiritual lives. We hope by sharing our learning, reflections, and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. If you found our podcast in any way helpful or it has served you in some way, would you please prayerfully consider whether you can financially support our mission via Patreon? Patreon is a platform that allows people to make a monthly contribution to our mission. Running a ministry has a number of costs, including website and software expenses, new tech purchases and paying editors. Your financial contribution will help us stay focused on putting out new content each week. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We have varying tiers that you can choose from, including as little as $3 a month. And in return, we offer behind the scenes, bloopers, merch, mentoring, and more. We would love for you to join our community and hope you will consider joining us in helping one another to live life to the full. Welcome back to this week's episode of Living Fullness. How are you going, Padre? Well, thank you. And yourself, Stina? I'm doing well. That is the way. What have you been up to? I recently went down to Melbourne with a bit of friend. Uh, and I actually went to a interesting kind of exhibit mm-hmm. for Vincent van Gogh. Sort of like exhibition, if you like. But it wasn't actually his artworks. Uh, but it was projections of his artworks. Like... And he's done like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of works. So sure. they did like a almost like a th- – it's not really a 3D, but you go into a room, a hall, and they've got his artwork uh, being projected across the entire room, including like a structure in the middle. And it's – and they've used animation as well, so it's moving. Mm. And it's not just the walls, it's also the floor. So you almost sort of get to step into That's parts cool. of his work. So That's kind of cool. The florals, like really, s- the entire space becomes floral. Like his Starry Night kind of stuff gets turned to a night sort of scene, which is really beautiful. And then they had some breakout rooms, and we got to do a bit of drawing. Cool. In ten minutes, <laughs> speed drawing. <laughs> it was intense. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. What about you? What have you been up to? I have recently caught up with a parishioner of mine, an older parishioner, who uh, is in Wagga Hospital. And uh, so I caught up with him and some of the family. And uh, he's a he's kind of a blast to be around, actually. He's, he's, mm. he's, he's really um, – um, he, he does suffer a bit from dementia. Okay. But he's still sharp and still sort of um, – uh, he remembers an awful lot about the past and he loves to share his history. So it's – it's um, mm. it was really, really cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So we are doing an episode on the compendium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for those of you that may not remember from the last episode that we did on the compendium, the compendium is a, a sort of a, a summary version of the catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, and so we take uh, questions from the compendium that we think will be very interesting for not just Catholics, but for, for any Christian who's listening. And today we have chosen to pick the subject of the fall. <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just so got to go lower because that sounds too exciting. 
Bum, bum, bum. That's the one. There we are. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so. We don't need sound effects. We don't need sound you. effects. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, the fall. The fall. Depending which button you push or depending. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> when we speak about the fall. Uh, we are generally talking about the fall of man from friendship with God. But before we speak about the fall of man, we need to talk about the fall of the angels. So, yes. So Christian Revelation teaches us that the angels, after their creation and before they beheld fully the glory of God, were given a test. Now, we don't know for sure what this test was, but many mystics and theologians uh, have proposed that the test was a communication of the plan of man's redemption. That is, the the, the incarnation. And so the, the fallen angels found the notion of worshipping something bodily, uh, you know, someone who who knows things, not as they do, not, not as being sort of pure spirits, but beings who know the world and natural truth through the medium of their senses. They found this to be... Um, uh, just sort of something that they could not tolerate. Mm. And so to put a bit of explanation on that, uh, angels don't have bodies. They're pure spirits. So they have a natural knowledge, a knowledge that's natural to their existence, by which they know all naturally occurring realities and events as they unfold. Uh, they have a, a supernatural knowledge through God, through which they can know the future if God so wills to reveal that to them and anything else that God chooses to reveal to them. Um, the angels, when they fell, kept their natural knowledge but lost their supernatural knowledge. Uh, so those angels who rebelled against God have rebelled irrevocably because as pure spirits, they were not deceived into their sin. They were not tempted by another, but simply out of their pride, knowing the irrevocable nature of their decision, they chose to turn against God. The leader of these, these rebel angels is known as Satan. He is the one who tempts Adam and Eve in the garden. And so right off, we can see something important. Good and evil are not two primordial forces which have been at each other's throats since the beginning of time. No, evil is not a substance. What do you, what do you mean when you say evil is not a substance? Okay. So it's not a positive thing. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like not Fair positively enough. charged? What's going on <laughs> right, here? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so think about uh, light and darkness. Mm. You know, light is something that we can measure. Uh, light is something that's that's we, we know how it's produced. It's so you're able to measure light, uh, you know, and 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 whereas so it's a thing. <laughs> so exactly, and darkness, however, you're not able to measure. You're able to measure how dark something is only by being able to measure the absence of light that there is, yeah, yeah. or how much light is actually getting into the particular dark room that you're talking about. Yeah, uh, you can't actually measure darkness itself. Whereas light is something measurable. Light is something. Darkness isn't. Darkness is the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. Mm -hmm. Similarly, evil is not a substance. It's not actually a thing. It's an absence of a thing. In this case, it's the absence of due goodness. It's the absence mm. of the goodness that, that is meant to be in the creature. Mm. Uh, that's what evil is. So it's not like God and the devil have been going at it since the beginning of time. <laughs> like they, they've been, yeah, you know, they've been like fighting the forever. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. No, that's not the case. Okay. Uh, which is helpful to know because that means that our enemy, 
is not as powerful. No, as that's God, right. That's right. Awesome to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, uh, it's it's a, a deprivation, a lack of due good, and and those angels who fell because of that lack of due good, they allowed envy and pride to swallow them whole, and so they seek to drag humanity down along with them because, well, after all, misery does love company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and look, that that kind of makes sense too when you think about if they're lacking something and they're trying to fill that and they've managed to fill that with envy and pride, which is not sustainable, it's not long-lasting, then, of course, they're just going to want more and more and more of that. Yep. So how are they going to do that yep. except by dragging others down with Exactly. Them? Exactly. Spot on. Yeah. So I guess this sort of takes us then to Chapter 3 of Genesis where we see the fall of man and there is a lot in this space. And I guess to start with... Uh, we know that Adam and Eve have been given a command and the command is, you know, don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so at this point they know the love of God because that's how they understand goodness is by and through the love of God. It's in that loving relationship that they have with him. What God doesn't want for them is that he doesn't want them to know evil in and through an experience of their own he wants to shield them from that he doesn't want them to experience what that is like because that then means a break in relationship with him for that to happen absolutely which is exactly what he doesn't want absolutely absolutely so then we kind of get to satan um you know who's the the leader of the rebellion against god and because he's so full of pride and so full of malice we know Whilst he's in the Garden of Eden, he wants to tempt Adam and Eve. And we're told the imagery that we get given, or at least that we think of, is one of like this little snake that's just sort of hanging about on a tree um, and somehow talks. <laughs> Weird. Um, and and that's, that's the depiction that we see generally in movies and stories and, you know, we see this little little snake. Hello, Eve. Would you like to have <laughs> Some apples. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But let's not include that in the podcast. Let's cut that. No, can we keep that? (laughs) No, we've got to keep that. Fine, fine. Um, Except what we also know from Hebrew, it actually when you when you translate it, it actually gives us more of an image of something like a leviathan, uh, like a monster, a huge, ugly, destructive, scary. monster and that's not what we get when we Mm. think about this image of a snake so i guess like for this conversation let's picture something um much worse than a than a tiny little snake that we can can drive a shovel through especially if you live in australia that's a very common thing and then what we see is that we then see that satan tempts them and he tempts them intellectually so it's not a physical temptation but he sows a seed of doubt in them he makes like an alluring offer which really is a lie Mm. like that's what he's doing here he's lying and when you pay attention what he's asking is you know did god really say you couldn't eat of the tree in the garden is that really what he said like it's just this is why he gets given the title father of lies it's a liar and a murderer from of old yeah and he sows that seed of doubting the goodness of God 
And so what happens then? Well, Eve takes up on that temptation um, and then gives it to her husband, Adam. And generally it's at this point that we all go, see, it was all Eve's fault. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Darn it, girl, why did you do that? <laughs> um, trouble is too with this space is that, you know, not only does it divide men and women mm. and we, despite the fact that we can joke about it, what we also know is that scripturally <laughs> we know that Adam was right there. We get told that she turns to him. So she doesn't actually have to run off to go and look for him, call for him, find him somewhere else on the opposite side of the garden. No, he's right there next to her. So he's mm. actually just as responsible as Eve. He was failing in his duty to protect and defend her. Yeah. And to even remind her of what she was meant to do, to remind her of her calling as a human being. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which we see even further because I know that we can hear that and go, yeah, but how was Adam to know that that was meant to be his job? Like how was he to know that that was even expected of him? Well, let's just even look at his name. <laughs> oh, yes. Like let's just let's just even look at and, and the command that he's been given. Like he was given a command in Genesis 2.15 2, to till the garden and keep it. Yes. And in, the, in Hebrew – um, the word for keep, which actually translates to protect and guard. So he's been commanded very literally, this is your job, yeah. protect and guard. Not just the things of the garden, <laughs> but every every creature that is within that garden, yeah. protect and to guard. Most especially the creation that came from his own side. Exactly. flesh of his flesh and exactly. bone of his bone. Exactly, his very own wife. Yeah. So... Yes, unfortunately, Adam too failed in this space. Absolutely. And look, that's not to minimise then Eve's role. Like then, let's not then go, well, it was all Adam's fault. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> Eve was also called. Yeah. Eve was also yeah. called to be a helper and to reflect that helper nature of God to, you know, what, what humanity is meant to look like. And part of that is receptivity, is being receptive to what God gives. And yet, what do we see? <laughs> we see her not being receptive to what God wants to give, but grasping what Satan is putting in her as a seed of doubt instead. So she goes and takes instead of waiting to receive the goodness that God has in store for her. Yes, the fall was a, uh, it was a joint venture. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Adam and Eve fall. Where do they fall from? Well, they fall or stumble out of relationship with God. And what are the effects of that fall? Well, let's look at them before the fall. Before the fall, how are they living? What do they have? They have what we call sanctifying grace, the grace of God living in their hearts, calling them into friendship with himself and, 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 and affecting that friendship. We have integrity. And by integrity, we mean that there is no... Um, uh, friction between body and soul. You know, St. Paul would say that that uh, my body craves to do that which my soul knows is wrong, right? So so um, there's no dissonance between what the body craves and what the soul knows is, is, is good. Um, immortality, right? So, so the soul and the body were never meant to be separated in death. And uh, uh, happiness, they were, they were naturally and also supernaturally happy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and knowledge they had a a knowledge of the sciences they had a knowledge of how the world worked you know and uh, after the fall they have a loss of sanctifying grace that grace which put them in friendship with god 
uh, and gave them unique sort of uh, that that unique relationship, which gave them a profound happiness that was that was gone. Um, and as a result of that loss, they are subject to concupiscence, which is the tendency towards sin, um, death, the separation of body and soul, suffering, the ability to experience pain as we do now today, and ignorance. They no longer have an understanding of how the world works as mm. they once did because their intellect is darkened. Uh, they no longer... Um, their minds no longer reflect the light of God. Added to this, they lose the likeness of God. So we're told at the beginning of, of, of Genesis in creation that man was made in, in God's image and likeness. Well, there is a that likeness, almost moral quality, being like God, is gone because the grace of the Holy Spirit is no longer present. And the image in which we are made is retained but distorted. Mm. So, a lot's gone wrong. And what is God's response? He asks them a question. Where are you? And I mean, I, I, I sometimes think about the way God would have said that, mm. um, I think in my in my 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 early years in the seminary, I probably had a vision of it being said like, you know, "Where are you?" You know, like almost a very stern kind of a thing. But uh, as I've grown more into my faith, I think the sound of that "Where are you?" is actually a much more paternal and loving "Where are you?" Mm. Um, it's yeah. actually a, it's an invitation. What we hear is that this this isn't this isn't an enraged parent talking. This is a gentle father. Where are you? He actually gives them a moment for reflection. Where am I? <laughs> like where am I in relation yeah. to where I was? Yeah, like, yeah. What has happened? Mm. And and sadly, instead of sufficiently taking that that point of reflection up, after declaring that they're hiding, one of the saddest lines in all of scripture, yeah. you know, where are you? I was naked. And so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I told you not to eat from? And at that moment, they could have had that engagement of reflection. They could have had that moment of, where am I? I have messed up. Yeah. They could have have gone there. But what did they do? They go into blame mode. It was her. (laughs) And, and, and then he actually oh. he actually goes, Adam goes so far as not only to go, it was her, but it was the woman that you yes. gave me. Yeah. So, so he's kind of, he's being, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, well, in the end, God, it's actually your fault. I'm just saying, you know, uh, so, so. Oh. And, and what does the woman do? Oh, the serpent made me do it. Yeah, shift well, blame. Well, it's, it's, it's a shift of blame, right? And I think one of the questions that gets thrown around is, well, they were, they were manipulated into it. They didn't mean it. So it's not really a sin, is it? It's not that easy. Like it's mm. not we, – we might be tricked into something or, or, or deceived into something and still be happy and desiring to do that thing. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of 
um, just because we might be deceived into something doesn't mean that there is no sin on our part. Like that is not automatically the case. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yes, there was a deception there, and that deception is part of why there's a chance for redemption for the human race. Mm. But there there was also a rejection of God in the acceptance of that deception. Mm. You know, uh, there was a there was a certain point at which they went. You know what? I think I want to love me more than I do God. So it's it's not as simple as. Yeah. Oh well, they were deceived, so there isn't any sin there. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's and, not and that look, easy. and maybe maybe not in those words of "I want to love me more than I love God," but even just looking at trust, right? I mm. mean, at some point they still ended up going, "Well, actually, maybe I don't trust God because maybe He's holding out on me. Right. Maybe so. Maybe I have to do this. Like maybe that's the natural thing that that comes next. Is like, I have to do this. I have to take this for myself mm. so mm. that I gain control, which is about me. It's not yeah. about." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That we're in. Precisely. Precisely. So, what does God do from here? Well, he bypasses the whole thing. He just goes, "All right. We're going to fix this." Yeah. <laughs> we're going to fix this. So, we have in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And for some reason, I don't know why it is, but when you go to the gospels, when you go to the books of the Bible, so often chapter 3, verse 15 is a really important chapter and verse. Don't know why, but often it is. And uh, so chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis, God gives what we call in Latin the Proto-Evangelium, uh, the, the, the first gospel, the first proclamation that there's going to be a saviour. He promises that the horror they've gotten themselves into is not their ending that it's not their finality. And he full-on stares Satan down. Like he's just, he, his exact words, and you. <laughs> I will place enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God is going to correct this. When man chooses himself over God to the point of contempt for God, God doesn't turn away from him. He mercifully nurtures him through history back to spiritual health. And so we fast forward to the incarnation, death and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. I think this is the take-home of the fall. God loves us to the point of death, even though we were his enemies. That's love. Yeah. Yeah. A worthwhile exercise to do is to go back and reread, um, not the Roman section, but the Genesis section, mm. and just have a pay, uh, pay attention to the voice that you yourself hear yeah. in the Father. Yeah, definitely. In God. Definitely. Probably will give you some insights as to yeah. what your relationship, or your personal yeah. relationship with God Absolutely. looks and feels like. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. And as always, a truth, a beauty and a goodness, Dina. Mm, mine for this week is I got to meet up with one of my teammates, um, Grace Felto, who does the social media and marketing for Virtue Ministry. We, were, we don't live in the same town. So yep. <laughs> it was really nice to be able to sit down with her when she came through town and have a meal and I think we yacked for about three hours or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. We just talked about all things life, all things faith, and all things adventures. Beautiful. <laughs> it was great. Till we were like the second last people in the restaurant. Went, right, probably time to go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's yeah, awesome. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yeah. So shout out to Grace. Hi, Grace. Mm. It's been ages since I've seen you. Yeah. Love to catch up. I think we tried to tee you up for yeah. that dinner too. Yeah, I was, just, I was unable to. Yeah. What about um, you? What's the truth, beauty, and goodness? For so you? for me, it's a little resource that I've recently stum- stumbled across. Uh, you all know by now my my, my love for Romano Gardini, <laughs> and uh, well, he, he writes a, a wonderful little book called Meditations in Preparation for Mass, and uh, it's 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 wonderfully written. It does have a specifically Catholic flavour sure. because obviously it's written by a Catholic priest, uh, a Catholic theologian uh, for. Catholic Mass, but I, I think you could you could take it and 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 give it application in other areas though too. Particularly if you're going to church and you're looking to to to, to still yourself to meditate, it might be a good and helpful thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Living Fullness. We will catch you again next week. But as always, until then, all of our love and praise. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone, perhaps who will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so that others can find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook. Facebook.